Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Film Vault. Yeah, Film Vault. I'm trying to uh, channel Brian here. Yeah, <laughs> Film Vault. Uh, today, we uh, we come to you with no Bri Bri, but that's okay. We're doing a lot of film uh, TV vault, right, Avery? Yes, sans Brian, but with TV. I am Anderson. That is Avery. He will be our official co-host this week. And today, we're going to be talking to you about two full TV programs as well as a newer documentary called The Thief Collector uh, with reenactments starring Glenn Howerton. So that's what we have. Oh, I didn't even say what the, the TV shows are. All right, for years, literally years now, people, many of you and friends of mine have been saying, you got to watch this Chernobyl. You got to watch, Ch- have you seen Chernobyl yet? And I, I kind of have a rule uh, lately, Avery. I don't adhere to it perfectly, but... When TV shows are new and they're on and they're like either like people are binging them because they all come out at the same time or they yes. even do the weekly thing. And everyone's hyped about it. Everyone's hyped about it. And I get it because you're sitting there, you're watching it like, you know, regularly, you're binging the whole thing, you're watching it every week, looking to, it's in your brain. And that's what you're, you talk about things yes. that are happening around you. And, and they can get some bonus points because you can just watch all of them and it scratches that itch and... And then overdosing on it. You want to talk to people about it, especially if you hear people talk about TV shows uh, yes. now and again or movies. And you're like, oh, I think that they'll like this. So I got a slew of people telling me I had to watch Chernobyl as well as every other show that seems to be on TV yeah. during that little period, that window. So I was getting burned and watching TV shows that I didn't necessarily love because I was getting going, okay, I'll watch it if you say it's great. And what I was finding was these aren't great. It's just they're in the zeitgeist at the moment. They're the the flavor of the uh, the week. Yeah, and TV's so good now that it's hard. No show's really bad. Right. All of them are good enough, but now you can can afford to be picky, whereas, well, I'm just going to watch the stuff that is... Uh, earth shattering right and you have the luxury of that you could watch nothing but uh five star tv shows until the day you die you, yeah you would and, not with, run out and never see anything new again right you just do the stuff same that's already been released yeah the same thing with movies and like i i've been saying for a while like there there should be a show that only i would love the bandwidth to be able to do a show like a feed here or part of the film ball where we only focus on movies that you've missed from yesteryear, right? Because yeah. there's, you could watch great entertainment. If Hollywood, if all entertainment shut down, all YouTube, everything is shut down right now. You'd be fine. We'd all be fine. Yeah. Like newborns would be fine. They might not, you know, get to see themselves much with like, you know, the, the new types of uh, lifestyles that we're going to be living. But, but they'd have Citizen Kane. To- <laughs> they'd have Citizen Kane to watch <laughs> to nine times. Too. To watch that seven times in film school. So anyways, I kind of have a rule that I try to adhere to, but you know, every now and again, the wife will say, Hey, let's watch this when it is something that's, you know, new and fresh. 
But uh, if something, if someone, or if people are still talking about a show a couple years after it's it's aired and it's yes. no longer, especially like a miniseries such such as Chernobyl, because that's really it makes it easy too. Yeah, and I got another one for you that you're gonna push back on. So that. with Chernobyl, I was, a lot of people, like, friends of the show, like I was saying, like no, I'm not going to watch this until I hear people talking about it a couple years from now. They were outraged at me. Oh, people were still talking about it a couple years ago, well, especially I now with Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer yes. yes, that was what threw me. I'm like, you know what? I just finished Band of Brothers. I'm like, I kind of miss having a TV show to. To, to watch so i watched it without jillian my wife where i watched almost all tv with jillian yes. she i could not get her on the journal she's like it looks so sad and depressing and I don't she's wanna. not wrong no <laughs> however there are, is unexpected comedy that comes around in the third third it's it's a five-part miniseries made on hbo and it is exceptional and it's yes i'm sorry for my dumb little rule and taking so long but i think there's a lot but of there's people. so much good that it's it's easy to for people to get swept up in it and it's hard to really know if something is going to go above and beyond i was the same way with well let's get into it later the crown or when that sounds like old boring bullshit yeah i, I was the same this. way for a long long time we we caught up with the crown a couple years ago we waited and uh it, it, it's still it's still there do we want to dive into a little fan fiction first uh fan fiction in a minute because i also want to say okay. that we are going to also be covering beef which is a newer show that i did watch with yes. the wife uh and that has been completed by both of us. So we will give our, our thoughts on beef and whether you should watch the 10 part miniseries. Yeah, and it's really probably it's not a most, miniseries. The, it might the, continue. I don't know. It's hard to say. And it's also, it's got, it's the TV show this year, probably with the most buzz. So I would say, well, was the last of us last year or this year? I think it was this year, but I think beef kind of had more underground uh, push to it. It's certainly it's it's the comedy or comedic element with the most buzz. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of push. I mean, there's billboards everywhere, and yes. I know that you respond to billboards. Which, by the way, uh, they're oh Emmy nomination. They're just spoiling the fuck out of the show. Yeah, they have the last shot of the show. Do they really? Uh, as for your consideration, no way. It's staggering for beef. For beef, they have the last the shot. Very last which shot. Tells well, tells maybe, you everything. Tells you the entire. Can you see who the characters are? Clearly. Oh my god, (laughs) it's it's ridiculous. Uh, And then another one that's a clear shot from that same episode of those two characters. And upsetting. It's it's ridiculous. Upsetting. That is that is very upsetting. Uh, So yeah, we'll also be talking about beef. We'll be talking uh, about the Thief Collector, which is a documentary that you could rent or watch on Hoopla right now. Avery and I both saw that. And then uh, Avery's also going to talk a little righteous gemstones, as well as I guess. I encourage you to start watching The Crown in, in preparation of its its final, final season, season yes. again, though. They've been saying final season for a long time, but and I, things I keep think, happening with the royal family, so they keep saying, whoa, we can get another yeah, season out I of this. I think this might be it, though. Yeah. And I also saw Oppenheimer, 70 millimeters, so. Okay. We'll talk about the gratuitous nipples, I guess. Yes. Uh, but first, fan fiction. Compiled by the Mitch Burns. Tim Capetta on Facebook. I saw Talk To Me. Not the Don Cheadle, but the uh, the horror movie that just came out. And it really impressed me as a first directorial feature. More personal and smaller scale take on demonic possession tropes that got its scares with great makeup and design and sound design work. Influence of Hereditary is very strong with this one. Want to guess the uh, Talk To Me FVT score? 95. 95. Hey, look at that. We already talked about Mike Cole. They clone Tyrone. We'll go to uh, Michael F. DeVitro on Facebook. Saw Sound of Freedom. But that won't get mentioned. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Take that for what you will. A lot of interesting stuff going on with that Sound of Freedom, uh, with the astroturfing, they call it, where they buy all the tickets up and then say, hey, sold out again. It's like, yeah, but you guys bought the tickets. Yeah. So a lot, a lot what, of propaganda what, what, what going on. What movie up. is that one? It's the one that was backed by uh, an alt-right group, and it's all about human trafficking, and it's got uh, uh, Superman yes, starring. Yes, yes. Apparently, it's a good movie, 
but there's a whole lot of i don't know if i want to encourage it's interesting i was just talking to my buddy rand about this but uh i don't want to get too far into it avery especially in the middle of fan fiction but i'm going to why not so i got friends close friends i got family members who are and i got i'm sure there's people that are listening to this um who i hear this a lot like uh you know i'll talk to a, a family member of mine about howard stern and they listen to howard stern for years right like i did and i'm like hey did you hear howard stern and i get this no i don't listen to stern anymore he's he's too leftist it's like oh if stern's too leftist for you um what else is too left? And then they just go, they're running out of entertainment. They're running out of people that they can respond to and yes. enjoy because they don't like their politics. And which is interesting because if there's that many people you're running out of, does that maybe suggest a societal shift? <laughs> they don't look at it. People don't look at it that way. They're just like, I hate all these people that are part of the media elite. And obviously yes. they think that Stern and even like Bill Burr, like I can't listen to Bill Burr anymore. I've too heard that cent- frequently. Too yeah. much of a centrist. And it's like, so it's like, what are you, are you just going to be stuck with the blue collar comedy guys? Like, what is your entertainment going to be? Yeah. And the old conservative grand old party is like, they're kind of catching up a little bit. They're like, Hey, movies can actually, you know, sway people's minds. And there's an open channel here. We should start producing some of our own movies. And that's, we're starting to see that it's kind yeah. of crazy. That's happening so late in the game, especially with, with movie industry kind of well there's one in amc coming out now about the controversy where they went some brave churches stayed open during covid to ignore the restrictions on our freedom that i saw that on the amc app like a few days ago so they're targeting that specific audience and that audience is large enough they've turned their back on traditional studio work to the point that they can or are they because there's so much bs that comes with it like with the astroturfing that's happening with the sound of freedom so i don't it's all Movies have been politicized more so than they have uh, recently. I mean, movies have always been politicized. It's like GOP is doing their own Tyler Perry almost. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> For is. us, by us, and we don't care what your opinion is or if you come to see it. We it, have enough of our own built-in fan base. That, that want to hear this messaging. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, what is a woman? Like, it's, yeah. it's there. Uh, let's let's see. I don't I don't know. It's Because they only they have such a small sample of actors that will be a part of these movies as well, right? Like, yeah, they want to wade into that yeah i mean we can only see vince vaughn in so many movies and kevin sorbo <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh get out james woods get him back yeah in. get him back in there genius that man's a genius which yeah get him and uh john Voigt. throw them in there emily hood on facebook got covid saturday hope you're feeling better emily uh so i had to cancel barbie tickets oh that's right she was supposed to be there for the watch along with us and she couldn't be because uh, uh, she had tickets for barbie so the other toy-based movie would have uh, would have to do. So on to the Beanie Baby bubble. Uh-oh. Zach G really killed it. One of his best roles. Galifianakis. But, uh, yes, but the time jumping and the perspectives made it for uh, made for a predictable flow. Hmm. Jason Runyon on Twitter. Pre-screening of Gran Turismo. Nice. Very cool movie. Interesting story. Good to see Orlando Bloom again. Made me want to drive the simulator. Intense, but had heart. That's a uh, Neil Blomkamp uh, movie. Uh, which I'm always going to be a fan of his because of District 9, but most, mostly because of Chappie. And my odd choice for him. Unabashed love of Chappie. Yeah, he's an interesting career. This is his first, what, non-sci-fi? <sighs> but, I mean, it's got sci-fi elements because of all of the... I get, but it's based on a true story. But it's like real-life sci-fi, I guess, yeah. with all of the... Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm making a stretch for him, I guess. But, I mean, he was supposed to be the next big giant thing and then kind of got put on hold. And I don't know if Chappie really 
kind of took him down a notch. But maybe yeah, I was surprised to see his name attached. I am very excited to see this one based on a true story about a kid who actually was in a simulator and was really good at that game, uh, that video game, Gran Turismo. And he actually got a shot to do the actual racing of the actual cars. So the trailer kills my soul. But uh, I don't I'm love the trailer. I was really, really disappointed. But I won't back down. Yeah. Uh, douche chills. I with say the that song. 95% of every trailer I see makes me think that I have to see that movie yeah. no matter what, if it's aimed at me or not. And not the case with this one. Yeah. I still got hoping. Hopes. Yeah, it, it seemed like some of the visual elements are very cool. I'm hoping that it's better than because the trailers there. Ah, they're so desperate that they're really trying to get you in there with anything, anything. And they're appealing to the masses, right? Yeah. They're not they're not targeting a very, a very specific audience. They, they'll throw anything at the wall. Yeah. So it, they're like it, the guy at the bar is trying to go home with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's really just saying any line. It's pretty dumbed down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they are looking for for anyone, every single someone to go home with person available that might think about seeing a movie one yeah. day. Yeah. Not, and I don't think that's you and me. No, no, not so much. We're uh, the dimes in the uh, yes. in, in the bar. We're not going home with you. No, we're the tens drinking the uh, the martinis at the end of the bar. I still, I think Gran Turismo uh, at this point to this point with the trailer, it, it's he he's very very un- unattractive. But I could see like his his soft soul, so I might give him a shot. Yeah, accountability buddy sixty nine on Reddit saw sympathy for the devil, mm. rented it, watched it, then immediately bought it. Mm. Plenty of fresh cage memes in this. I put in my top five cage movies. Wow, that says a lot. I wonder how many cage movies you've seen because usually it's uh, it's just a, a shadow of what he used to be. Uh, it, it looks like he's trying to channel one of his old, fun, younger uh, characters and, and not really putting his heart into it. So that's, that's encouraging so, yeah. to hear. All right. A uh, couple news noteworthy things. Um, boo, 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 boo. What is it? Next week. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, next week we will be watching uh, Synchronic uh, for John Campbell. He was uh, the assigner of, of Synchronic, which is uh, an interesting movie. I've already seen it. It's uh, starring Anthony Mackie, Jamie Dornan, and uh, Katie Asselton. And it's from the uh, the guys that brought us The Endless and Spring. Uh, really interesting filmmakers, laptop filmmakers, I call them, uh, because they, they have a whole lot of digital effects in their movies. But for the most part, it works. And they've actually moved on to... Uh, do uh moon moon night i directed some of the moon night maybe all of the moon night miniseries which i did not watch Uh, but yes so synchronic will be watched i had brian push it a couple weeks because it's about a a character who has brain cancer so i didn't know if he needed to be seen that right away um and then also next week we'll be doing top five motivational speaker speeches top five motivational speeches within movies thanks to our boy jonathan moser who is at the decider level and he is due so we will be doing the top five motivational speeches in movies and there are a number of them so that'll be a fun topic to dive into and then also i am officially a uh, you know this has always been a part-time gig i do many many part-time gigs and i'm diving deep into uh, real estate i i was i had my license Many years ago, and I've gotten my license again. I went through it for the last six months. I haven't really talked about it much, but there's been a whole lot of studying and, and all the stuff that you have, all hoops you have to jump through. And I, I absolutely love this this field. I it, it scratches so many of the same itches that filmmaking does for me. Uh, and I'm by the time you hear this, I probably already have a broker that I'm working with. Already sold a couple houses. By the time uh, you hear this. <laughs> I'm interviewing with all sorts of different brokers and trying to fight, find the right fit with the right mentoring and a team and, and whatnot. But I can tell you this, if you have any questions about real estate and you, you need somebody uh, to help walk you through that, or if you're looking to buy a house or sell your house, I will have a team with tons of experience. So I would be the guy you would deal with and, and, and go back and forth with, with, uh, you know, all the phone calls and openings and all that stuff. But 
I would have somebody right there, probably a couple people right there with, you know, 50 years experience making sure that everything is going smoothly. So just because I'm back in it doesn't mean that I'm completely inexperienced and I, I'm going to have a great team with me. So let's do this. Let's, uh, I'm, I'm giving it my all and I'm going to be doing, working with all sorts of people, but I'd love to work with some people who already have a good idea of, of who I am. And if I'm, if I'm anything, you know, I'm, I'm honest and I throw myself into things and I love to do things, uh, as service for people. I love, yes, I love helping others, even though sometimes it comes off. Like I just, I'm furious with Brian all the time and that's honest and that's real. So as long as you're not Brian, let's, uh, let's do some business. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of showing like families ho- homes and like, I love the, uh, the process of buying our home because we got the right real estate agent and it was just fun and it was great. And we felt like she had our back and really what a lot of it is, is just opening doors and showing people what the goods, uh, the good things and the bad things and things you don't normally think. Yeah. And I would imagine it's, it's very similar to other industries where you can have a really negative experience if you're not careful, like buying a car, right? Yeah. Where everybody needs a place to live. Everybody needs a car. And because of that, it attracts a lot of sharks that kind of not of your best interest at heart. So I can speak from my own experience that we actually let our, for, we had a team, uh, two agents that were working as a team when we first set up to buy a house a couple years ago. And we, after about a month, we, we had to let them go. It was really uncomfortable, but I'm like, they were weird. Like everything had to be through, um, WhatsApp, like they, that's how they communicated uh, everything. And like, we'd walk into like absolute and total trash houses. And yeah. I knew that the final straw was when the guy said, doesn't get any better than this. This is Anderson. This is the place. They were just trying to sell us in every single house. I'm like, yeah, what shysters? Like I hate yeah. real estate people because thank God I got out of this business 10 years ago. That's what I was thinking. Right. Uh, Cause I almost got deep into real estate back in 2006 and then we hired a new agent that we met at an open house and she was the best. And I'm like, so I saw the other side. I'm like, oh, yeah. and she actually is the one who kind of got me thinking, maybe I want to get back into this because I really like her style and she's like a top producer. She's really, really good. And I felt comfortable with her. So yeah, we saw the full gamut. I yeah. Think. And then you see that people are able to do it the way you would want to. And it opens your eyes. There's just so many people flooding the space. Yeah. Like anything with show business or whatever industry that's a desirable. There's a lot of bullshit and uh, your favorite term, bad actors. Yeah, I love that bad actors. Jeez. But what I've, it, it's very, very similar to, uh, to show business and to film producing and all that. So a lot of what I've already been doing for the last number of years, it lines up uh, yeah. when I'm talking to these brokers, like they're really excited to get me in the fold because they know that I have so much experience. That's so tangential and, and, and similar to what I'll be doing here. Uh, however, I think I'll hear a whole lot less. I'm going to hear a whole lot of those obviously, but less so in the real estate world because Hollywood just gets paid yes. to say no to everyone, especially yeah. independents. So I'm excited. Let's, uh, let's do this. Like get me uh, on the MLS on your behalf and I will, uh, I'll, I'll start doing some work for you or we can do uh, the open house, all that stuff. All right. Enough pitching me, but, uh, I'm excited to work with some of you. All right. Email me Anderson at Anderson All right. Let's, uh, you want to get into it or is yeah, do we want to do a quick brush of Oppenheimer then dive into Chernobyl? Yeah, sure. I, I guess that they go hand in hand. Yeah, especially for the people who are looking for more uh, nuclear <laughs> content yeah. to get into. So I saw it in 70 millimeter, and I don't know how much it added. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think this is probably Nolan's uh, film that requires the least amount of 70 millimeter. Granted, anytime you can see it in that format, it's great. Yeah, it certainly didn't detract from that. But that's people's. That's what people have been saying, Avery. But I, my counter is okay. Well, wouldn't Barbie have been a little better too if that yeah. was an IMAX? So like I, any movie. Would so be. I don't think you need to. I think if you have the luxury to do it 
Um, go for it. Why not? But I don't think it was worth me waiting an entire week to see it in 70 millimeter, especially because I would say my primary gripe is probably honestly the explosion like you guys touched on. I was underwhelmed and I don't think I would have been if there was not so much talk about it. it's practical. Exactly. This really happened. Right. Oh my God. You're yeah. going to see this and you're going to think, holy shit, they made this on earth with, yeah. with practical effects. And it was underwhelming underwhelming the, the actual the full sequence and the filmmaking involved in that i really enjoyed the tension Talking and the much. way they ramped it amazing but when you see it it was a, a bit of a letdown the bar is really high as far as yes. what we've seen explosion wise yeah, it'd be over like, the last hundred years it'd be like telling you in this movie they don't show in the trailers but i i, I swear to god there's the most beautiful woman you've ever seen in your entire life right she's gonna well, make I mean that all- wasn't there with there Florence. you go. Uh, but it's, it's hard to live up to that. Yeah. And also, you really got to swing for the fences, which Nolan did. I'm glad it's practical, but I wish that had been... And again, they try to market it in whichever way they can, yeah. but it's almost, there was almost too much hammering on that point, which I get once you see the movie because I really enjoyed it, but there's less to hang your hat on than something like Tenant, where there's a bunch of set pieces that you can touch on, where you go, holy shit, you're going to see the gunfights in this and the way they film these things backwards and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Whereas this... It, it's it's hard to sell a courtroom drama in quite that same way where you're going to go, holy shit, the, the things Robert Downey Jr. does. Yeah. It's, it's not tr- traditional in terms of how Nolan is typically seen and perceived and, you know, what so, we, we expect. A couple things, I think. One, well, it was back to like the overselling. It was kind of like Avatar. How that if I, I'm going to like Avatar just fine if they weren't telling me that it was going to change movies as I knew them forever. And it's like, I didn't, yes. I didn't believe that when they were telling me that, and I definitely didn't believe it after I saw the movie. Because you're going to the seat already going, all right. Arms crossed. Prove yeah. me wrong. Yeah. Show me. Right. And they didn't with the old Avatar. They did for a lot of people. I guess it's just it didn't, I couldn't quite access it. But so uh, Nolan is totally tied to IMAX, which I absolutely love. Thank God he's a champion for that format because he's really the only one leading the way and he's trying to do it to combat 3d which is his whole thing is like hey movies are better experienced on imax than they are yeah. 3d and, and i, I wish there was 100 agree going in that direction i love that the top guns of the world are headed that way and, and it's a lot impossible. of it is thanks to i think nolan leading yeah. the way i would i would think and they're you know continuing the technology to get the imax cameras even smaller so they can do more with them and they're doing all sorts of great things and of course it's going to add to any movie any tv show if you see it in on a perfect a giant world screen. every movie's like this yeah and i loved what he did with dark knight where he bounced back and forth and i think that's where it had the best effect where like the big set pieces would become imax seamlessly and you didn't even notice the the the, the screen changing unless yes. you were looking for it it was subconscious almost but then all of a sudden the scene is bigger which sounds crazy but like i did not really recognize it going back and forth the first time I saw The Dark Knight. Because the way it lines up so well. Yeah. yeah. The way he edited it together. But this one, you know, what he's been doing lately is just all IMAX all the time, which it, whatever. But it would it would add to any movie. And I think what, what it, maybe to kind of put a positive spin on it is he has to make every movie IMAX. This one didn't necessarily lend itself to IMAX. Yes. But he was this drawn to the subject matter that he went ahead anyways. Because there's so many other movies that would have lent themselves to IMAX more than this particular story. And yeah, I absolutely, and I think just about every other one of his films, every other, maybe like memento and insomnia, every and, action movie we're going to see this, this summer would probably be better yeah. suited for Spider-verse IMAX. would have been better in a, and he used it to his, the best as he could, where he could. But I think that that really is a testament to just, like I said, how much he found the story to be important. It's just, he's not allowed at this point to make a non IMAX movie almost. Yeah. Right? He's going to bound to it. Just like James Cameron's always going to work 3d in there. Yeah. I would imagine to avatar. He's not going to make an avatar. That's 3d less. Right. That's in 2d. So I think 
that's kind of working against it. And then you got people like me and Brian and you to a lesser extent going, okay, yeah, but why IMAX? And, but that's the way it was yeah. marketed to us. It's a, it's a great movie in many, many ways. It does feel like a trailer throughout, does it not? It really does. So I, I loved it. As, but, but my main point would be don't feel like you've missed out too much in 70 millimeter. One of my, uh, my uh, friend's coworkers, who's a movie guy, he lives up in Santa Barbara. They don't have very good theaters out there. He drove all the way down to city walk to see 70 millimeter IMAX. And I don't think this is a movie you have to see that see that way. I would agree with Dunkirk tenant stuff yeah. like that. Go, you're missing something. If you're not seeing it in that format, like I know people who bitched about tenant saw it on a plane. Yeah. Oh, fuck you. Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. get a say in the conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oppenheimer, honestly, you shouldn't see it this way either, but if you watched it on a laptop, this would a character be the study more than anything least. else. Yeah. Yes. And I don't, you know, I love Killian Murphy's face, but I did not, it, it didn't add that much. Now it's going to be a little bit better, but like I said, every movie is going to be a little bit better. Yes. With, just like you said, like some of his movies are meant, you have to see them on IMAX to really get what he's he's putting down. Yeah. This one, I think, don't watch it on a laptop necessarily, but don't watch anything on a laptop unless yeah. you have to. But yeah, don't go, don't drive 40 miles one so, way to, to see to, it. And think it's going to be a revelation because of the format. Yeah. And and there might be some people screaming and yelling and hitting their dashboards right now. They totally disagree with us. I talked to Joe Dorville, who absolutely loves this movie. I did too. I love so I think absolutely see this in Prime Dolby, whatever premium format you have. I don't think you need that the to be in one of the 121 theaters that have 70 millimeter IMAX. I think it's overkill. Dolby will do you just fine if you got Atmos, if you got the AMC Prime, whatever. That is plenty to get you to see it the way I think it's intended. Can we? Can we? Discuss real quick before moving on Florence's nude scenes and if they were necessary. So I, it was interesting because uh, I had the same kind of feeling. And what one of my buddies was saying was it, because I was thinking, why, why is this his rated R movie? Why is this the one he chose nudity? Because he's got other movies where there's relationships, right? There's interstellar and there's tenant. And he has that in those movies. Why this one? And I think it really helps hammer home what he was saying, the salaciousness of it and the impact and the grittiness and the seediness of that. Why? Or I think, but why would you need that? I, I think to maybe enhance the trial at the end or what he was being accused of. There is that scene where she's uh, his, his wife is imagining having this, this nightmarish uh, vision of him having his way with Florence right there in the deposition room. But that would have been enough. We didn't need to see the post-sex, the thing that they're you know covering with a dress in the Middle East. Yeah, that scene. I didn't. I, I felt. I love Florence so much, and she's such a phenomenal actress. And it felt like she was almost being taken advantage of. Maybe I'm. Being I think sensitive. they were maybe trying to find. No one was trying to find ways to to juice his personal life and maybe make you feel what it would have felt like to be in, in the fifties when this was happening. How scandalous! Because it's hard to do the sell with communism, right? They yeah. they weren't going to get you there. There's nothing they could really sell you on for. Why do they give a shit? Yeah, because it's so of the time. But the, everybody gets nudity and cheating and uh, people potentially losing their lives yeah. or whatever it is you can hang your hat on that so maybe they try to juice that as a way to make it i don't know maybe amplify the scandalousness of communism mm -hmm. maybe was the, the, the only thing i could come you know, to. like maybe he was going with like this is the allure of communism at that time i could imagine turning your back on this how could you I, maybe i you know and she represented all of communism maybe. in his mind I don't think I ultimately don't think it was necessary. No. 
Uh, I also didn't find it terribly distracting because, you know, he doesn't do it for titillation. Right. You're not watching this. It's not Margot Robbie and Wolf of Wall Street, right? right? Where you're going. That's the point of it. Um, but I was amazed. That I, I was captivated by this movie. The pace is incredible. And just the tension he's able to generate and the movement and the pace with the last act where a lot of other filmmakers that would have been dry as shit and mm-hmm. no one would have cared. But yeah. He really manages to wrap it all up in a tight package that doesn't feel like three hours to me. Um, a lot like Social Network, and I think we made yes. that that parallel Absolutely. before, where it's it's not necessarily the most riveting subject matter, but he made it riveting with yeah. the, the, his style, almost to the point where that too much. Like the score was definitely distracting for me. I, it was too much, but I'm I'm not. I don't consider myself like an actual critic, and I, one of the hardest things uh, to be a critic is to be like, you know fair to the the hype and not be. Uh, like what we're saying, how it was missold to us. I shouldn't hold that against the movie. If I saw this movie and I use this term probably too much, but if I saw it in a vacuum, had never heard of Christopher Nolan or this was his first movie or something. And I went in not expecting anything. I would be, you know, screaming from the rooftop. Oh yeah. You have to see this one of the greatest movies ever. I don't even know if it's going to make my top 10. And I think that's because of me and my own personal attitude walking into the theater. That's not fair to the movie. I think it will for me. Interestingly enough though, this is one of the first it may be only Nolan movies where I don't know if I need to see this again. Not because... Everyone I talk to who loves it says, you have to see it twice. But that's what's... Is this kind of fits in that category that you guys have done a top five on of movies you don't need... Great movies you don't need to see again. I don't know if I need to see this again. It's very heavy. It's probably one of the saddest, heaviest ones. I, weird, because I'm normally a crier at movies. A lot of the people I went with cried. Did they? Yeah. Where? Because him? I don't, I don't know. They it felt cried. bad for him? Because, I mean, it comes down to him losing... A, like a, Not for him. I think a lot of it the feeling I was getting was this is the world we live in now, the nuclear world. And it kind of, it kind of um, spoke to that underlying dread. A lot of people feel with climate change and with living under, you know, the, the shadows of war yeah. where it was interesting seeing this world be born. And it's a world we've all just lived yeah, in our entire just lives take it for granted that like there was never a point before this where the genie was in the bottle. Yeah. The genie's always the genie's just been, been out of the out bottle since the beginning. Yeah. So, so I think it kind of realized that sort of unspoken probably grief the best that people have of the movie for me was actually putting myself kind of like I did with JFK where, you know, you're putting your mindset of actually losing a president who was that popular at the time. Like, yes. I, I never experienced that. And I kind of got a taste of it with that, with JFK. Yeah. With this, I kind of get like, I was able to get in the mindset of, like, Oh my God, to be there when this was happening and you realize oh my god we, we can destroy the earth like you know a thousand times over now yeah. because of these scientists uh who created this yeah and they're I, still with us and I they've only gotten more powerful he captured that to an extent that might be the most interesting part of the movie for me yeah all right well but it's great highly recommend it i wish it was great thing. i need to i need to see bo's afraid and this one again i think because right now bo's afraid is probably going to crack the top 10 at the end of the year i love that movie the more i, I think the about last it. the last act though Man, it's such a, uh, for me, almost awesome. One of those ones where the ending, I just went, ah, I don't feel like he knows what he was saying. God, who was I that? talking to? I was talking to somebody there at a screening with Ari Aster. He was at the screening and he was like embarrassed when he threw to his own movie. And said, all right, here's my movie. It's it's really dumb. Enjoy. For Bo? Yeah, for Bo's afraid. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, who was I talking to about that? It's just, I don't know. I, I think that's a big Bruce pet peeve of mine. Is I'll, I'll take the leap with the filmmaker or or go, I, I don't think I picked up all this. I, that's but why maybe we got to watch the, it again. When oh. I get the sense that they do, I got the sense that he doesn't know what he was saying with the end. It was, okay. It was. Or fully what he was saying. It kind of, 
almost the worst version of Paul Thomas Anderson where he'll go, oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. I didn't yeah. even try to put that subtext well, in. It felt kind of uh, almost like the malicious version of that of you, you really went with something grabby and salacious and uh, over the top and then didn't know what you were saying with it. Whereas Paul Thomas Anderson I doesn't necessarily did. do I that. I think he did know though. I think Ari Aster did know. And I think there's a lot about childhood trauma. Maybe his own. Yeah. And I don't know what that puppet thing that he was fighting at the, we're talking about Bo's afraid now. We'll get off in a second. <laughs> that massive puppet thing that without giving, giving anything away, there's a, uh, an action sequence, almost yeah. a nightmarish action, action sequence that, is very uncomfortable to be sitting in a theater next to your sister watching. I'll just leave sure. it at that. Use your imagination. But I thought that was him, but it's been suggested that that was his father. So I think there is more some Freudian going, stuff going on. on. Yeah. And I can't, I don't know how to say this without giving it away, but Bruce, cause I, I guessed it on cinematics last week, I guess it was for the 200, 200th episode. I very selfishly said, hey, I'd like to be a part of that. And Bruce, and I were talking about it and you know how they have all the Bruce caught this. I didn't catch it. I don't think most people would catch it, but you know how they have all of the different production companies that are responsible for, you know, you see a 24 gravitas. You sometimes you'll see three yes. or four, a bunch of different, sometimes like I think some of the Gaspar Noe movies I've seen, I've like had like 10 different production companies involved because yeah. they all split the difference so that no one gets, takes a bath. If a movie bombs, like they all have a little share, piece yeah, of share the load. Yeah. And, one of the production companies, which is fictitious, doesn't even exist, shows up at the beginning of the movie. And you, if you're paying real close attention, and I missed it, makes a whole lot of sense, especially if you get through that last act. Interesting. I'll tell you about that off air. Yeah, I'm very curious. But yeah, that and that evidently means like you can, I'll, you'll, it'll make sense when I explain it to you. But uh, interesting. All right. Yeah. Bruce, Bruce Perky. I'm much more likely to go see Oppenheimer again than uh, really. There's so much more Bo, than fun Bo's afraid to be have uh, but with Bo. Bo is afraid in its entirety. I honestly, and this might be sacrilegious, I might just shut it off at a certain point and go. I think Great, four, I saw the part I liked. And, I think there's four acts, and I think maybe that fourth act is what's given both of us problems. And yeah. I think maybe watching the second time will the, help us. Because if it was, if it managed to do what it did in the first three, I mean, it would be, yeah, I, like you said, sh- shouting from the rooftops. I would love it. But he really lost me of just God damn you. <laughs> like this, Even the you, third one went. The first two were so strong, and then the third act is kind of like okay. I, but I was. On? But he built up enough goodwill where I was going. All right, I'll follow him along. Yeah. And then he, I kept following him, and then I went. Where are we going? Where are we? Go? Is this where? This is where. It's one of those movies where I, the longer I, the the more space I get between myself and it, the more I apologize for it because there's so much to like there. Because I remember, yeah. I think reviewing it the week that I saw it, and I'm like, you know, it was almost awesome. It could have been great, but. I just couldn't give it its due. But the more I think about it, the more I go back to Bo in my mind, the more I really appreciate that movie. Yeah. I might have to see if Atticus can watch it with me. <laughs> Here's the kind of childhood you're not dealing with. <laughs> don't be, don't be afraid. Be like worse. Bo. Okay. Uh, enough Bo. Um, do you want to dovetail into Chernobyl? Since we were talking about a little beef at the top beef, or do you want to just go Chernobyl? Because uh, I got so much to say about Chernobyl though. By All the right. way, can you do the uh, boilerplate as a, as it's called? Like the uh, ah, I got it, I got it. All right, so Chernobyl is a uh, miniseries that was made for HBO, which is kind of the uh, the king of the uh, the miniseries. At least they have been. I don't know what's going to be happening with this Max reboot. So far, not great things are happening. Anyways, that's not important. Uh, HBO Chernobyl five part miniseries came out in 2019. Its show creator is Craig Mason. Mason. Uh, more on that later. It stars Jared Harris, 
Stellan Skarsgård and Jesse Buckley, who uh, I have become a fan of, but uh, did not even know she was in this until I was sitting down watching uh, Jesse Buckley. Uh, Craig Mazin is the creator, which is interesting when you look at his credits because, sure, he is the guy behind The Last of Us, which everyone's kind of... But this is before that. ...going on. This is before that. So he this led to The Last of Us, um, which he created for TV, which I... M. Luke, I, I feel like that's one that, of the that Luke. third episode. That was one of the best things you'll ever see. That is great. The standalone episode is fantastic. A- astounding. Talking about The Last of Us, but it's one of those movies where I, Jillian wanted to watch it, and I don't think I would have watched it because everyone's like, it's the flavor of the month, flavor of the week. It's okay, but at the end of the day, it's it's not, it's not for yeah. me. Yeah. I don't think people are liking mushroom heads running around. I don't, I don't absolutely love it. So I, I think it's one that I could have missed. But, you know, because if I watch TV, it's got to be top tier. It's got to be succession. Yeah. It's got to be the boys. It's got to be that third episode Patriot. the whole way through. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was hoping for. And I, it was hard for it to top that once you saw that. So Mason's all interesting because he's also mainly responsible for The Hangover 2, The Hangover <laughs> written by Hangover 3, <laughs> Identity Theft, and uh, Superhero Movie, as well as Scary Movie 4, Scary Movie 3. So uh, just reading that on paper, you go, I don't know if I need more of what he's got. Yeah, but he's got this one living in him all these years and i don't know if he's putting in the this, work did you think how the fuck did you how where's the connection yeah it is really really interesting when you look at somebody's imdb portfolio when it unfolds like this so craig mazin absolutely crushed it with chernobyl i know a lot of you don't need me to tell you that so episode one is uh, jared harris sitting down uh recording his events of what he saw from back to flash forward of what he saw with the, uh, from his account as a scientist, uh, at Chernobyl. And then and we, they, they do almost like the, the death of Stalin where they go, the, it's just British people playing Russians, but we're not going to do the Russian accent. Yeah. They, in fact, they tried the Russian accents and, and it quickly became, uh, very distracting. I think that's problem death of Stalin after this. I think so. Maybe that's where they learned this. Yeah. Trick. Not to even waste their time with trying to do Russian accents when you, especially when you have very fine actors to work with, and you uh, don't need it. You, you get it. You don't need it. Yeah, that's the old me, the old snobby me would have said, oh, "I wouldn't even watch that because they don't have Russian people playing the parts." But that's yeah. no longer the case, and thank God. Because so then you hear something happens. I won't give it away, and then you hear the actual call coming that was first placed from Chernobyl when the fire broke out. You actually hear that in Russian and it's like, okay, this is like the real deal. Like there's no, you know, sure this is reenactments, but we're actually hearing what happened on that day and the explosion, the fire, the initial reaction, and then the lack thereof of the reaction. And a lot of this, uh, from, from the Soviet union, a lot of this lines up with, you know, our own politics today and what is truth and how, you know, truth can be manipulated. And like a lot of what's happened in this country from, you know, my own naive point of view is like we've taken a page from the kremlin yeah. in recent years and it's real scary so a lot of parallels there with this show uh and they're not they're pretty heavy-handed i think with the parallels and what they're trying to say yes and i think it's warranted with the subject matter i, I would have to say so yes and it's interesting because I knew very little about Chernobyl before seeing this. And in everybody's mind, everyone knows the name Chernobyl. Yeah. You go, ah, oh, fucking incompetent Russians, the nuclear it thing melted meltdown, down. Yeah, and, and some people got sick. Eh, what are you going to do? It's a huge disaster, but it, you know, it doesn't affect me. It is <laughs> horrifying in a way that almost to me is more disturbing than Oppenheimer. When you hear oh, way really what happened and what the way stakes were disturbing and what could have happened. Yeah. It's more disturbing than horror films. Yeah. Like he's doing the last of us. There's nothing scarier in The Last of Us than what you see in Chernobyl. 
especially when you see the the first hand the, the the first responders and the makeup job that they did and i hope that it was over the top and not as realistic as what actually happened and, and the result of what happens to you with radiation and the way that they explain it for the dumb pre- people in the audience such as myself like i've never really uh, radiation's bad it gives you radiation poisoning when he's describing it as a million trillion bullets microscopic bullets going yeah. through your body like it makes sense like they dumb it down enough so that you can understand because he's put in a position uh harris's character is put in the position as the nuclear physicist where he has to explain this to people you know layman throughout yeah, so the government you, could, you get to hear it put forth in very simple easy to consume uh packages so that now i understand after oppenheimer and chernobyl i have a much better understanding and i should i'm a 50 year old man i should have known about this stuff long ago but yeah this does the trick right so episode two is them actually trying to put out the fire and they explain all that like it's fascinating and apparently with the visuals there they did a very good attention to detail and realism and so even down to that light in the sky that you see in episode one yeah that's a very uh defined and well-known nuclear phenomenon when that happens sure normal you should know too is what was in the soviet union at the time it was actually after they don't get into the politics of it other than the cover-ups and Gorbachev's, they really... It was like 86 or 89. It's It was 86, because I was 13 when it happened. But I, it was it was in the Ukraine, but I thought Ukraine was already like... Oh, God, I should know this. But I thought they were already independent. I thought they became independent after the wall came down. When did the wall come down? Uh, I thought, that was later. That okay, was like that 90. was later. So that's that was like why. 90. Okay, that, this was still behind the, the curtain, because... Yeah, yeah oh, okay, big time. 89, 90s. Yeah, I should know that from Operation Odessa, which is a fantastic documentary. That, ignore the poster of Operation Odessa and watch enjoyable. Operation Odessa. That's all about the curtain coming down. That'll be a pick-me-up after you watch Chernobyl. So good. So... Yeah, and, and uh, to add to Aver's point, it uh, was shot at actual nuclear, nuclear reactors that they did have access to. It shot a lot of it in Latvia, so uh, uh, evidently it's it's very, very, very true to what happened. You get a really good sense that the details were being at- paid attention to. This wasn't just thrown together for you know to give a dramatic backdrop of what Chernobyl was about. You get the sense that you're in it, yeah, for better or for worse. So. Episode two is a lot about getting putting the fire out and understanding what it means to put the fire out. How did how to even do that? Because it could have it could still be burning right now if they didn't do that. Oh yeah, and it does a great job of anyone who's not familiar with it, even no matter how smart you are, you're thinking like a dumb guy where you go, "It's a fire, put it out." Yeah, I don't know how do you some, put out any get fire? hoses in there. Get, get yeah. rid of it. What's what's well, the problem? What they had to do you was no idea. far beyond that, and it was always the lesser of two evils. It was like, okay, if we do this. It's going to do that, but then it'll also do this. I don't know if I've ever seen higher stakes in a television show. I, I'd have to agree. <laughs> I if you can even all, imagine. You didn't live. I live. I, was, I remember when this was happening. If you believe what we're, what, what we learned from Chernobyl, like if they just did nothing, if they just all turned their backs and walked away, would we be dead now? <laughs> there's a chance. There's a chance, right? Certainly there's a chance all of Europe would be dead. I think all of Europe and all of Russia and China might all be. I think that whole continent yeah. would be, those two continents would be gone. I think. I think. Or at least they'd be very sickly and they might have multiple yeah. eyes. And then episode three. So it's all real dour. It's fascinating, but it's... It's not uplifting at it's all. It's one of the most bleak shows you could possibly you imagine. You say that, but episode three is when they bring the miners in, and the miners are an absolute oh, yeah. delight, especially the lead miner. And there's he is so no bullshit. He does not give a fuck about what the government's telling him to do. He's his own man. He has his own men. They're miners. That's what they do. And there's a lot of 
much needed comic relief in a very straightforward way though there's nothing slapsticky about it it involves uh, maybe a hundred russian men being fully nude head to toe full frontal nudity yeah for the sake of staying cool because they couldn't use fans and it's it's levity that was very very needed and that's the only episode where you really get that and then let me see i mean i want to i i just really want to sell people on this uh, and don't be dumb like me and be stubborn and say you know and and also don't think when i say it's one of the very depressing and heavy don't don't make it don't be mistaken into thinking it's a slog where it feels like not a slog it's riveting because it's the opposite it's it's i hate it's important watching it is it is important we should all it's almost required watching for people who because we still should be shown in high schools we should should be it it absolutely should be and i it's it's embarrassing that i knew so little like when i was you know here oh there's a meltdown you know the meltdown actually meant like literally meltdown like if they didn't take the measures do them do what they had to do thanks in large part to jared harris's character and the other composites that were built around them all based on real life people uh like it would have the core would have melted down through the slab into the earth into and, the groundwater yeah <laughs> into, the, into the primary aquifer I, I i get worried looking around my house and thinking like are, are there any like mid-century things from the ukraine in my house right now because yeah it's scary, scary yeah. shit. i don't think there are because jillian's into like the, the J- japanese stuff mostly but uh because all the knickknacks and stuff they're all made in china now but like back in the uh mid-century like 50s all that stuff all the stuff that you see like in my house like all those little cute little knickknacks stuff that's all from yeah. japan I, everything came from japan back then anyways so but who knows maybe it's been some time in the ukraine all right so uh russians always uh, always portrayed throughout this and most especially shows that you know the te- movies that i uh, came up with in the 80s as like really super like insecure almost like an insecure significant other like yes i'm really afraid of what other or like a, like a teenager on instagram like i don't want them to see this i only want them to see that like real insecure which i'm sure there's a lot of that but like how would they make us seem i don't know I try and keep an open mind, but I think there's probably a lot of truth to this. And episode four is also where we see Barry Keegan um, come in and he's in one episode and he's got very, very few lines, but he does so much on the screen and he's supposed to be the new kid because they're just taking any bodies they can get to help with the cleanup. Uh, And there's various different types of cleanup and his type of cleanup is my own personal hell. I think I know and I'd say this with no hyperbole. I might have just put a gun on my mouth. I don't think I could actually. Yeah. Or just caused one of my comrades to shoot me because their job, Brian Keegan was the young kid and he had a couple uh, bosses that he had to answer to. They would go into the neighborhoods that had been um, evacuated and they were told that the, these these people that lived in these communities were told that they were going to be evacuating for three days and that they'd come back. These these cities are still there, and they're virtually untouched other than looters have gone on. And, and steal, That's where you'll see the, the, the shots of that abandoned uh, amusement park, that yes. Ferris wheel. and Could They just grabbed enough. That they had three hours to grab enough stuff for three days, and then they were bust out, and they never, no one's ever gone back except for looters and government officials. Like Those those towns are still there from yeah. 1986. So Barry, Barry, Barry Keegan's, I hope I'm saying his name right. I think that's how you say it. Keoghan, Keegan. Keoghan, yeah. Keoghan. His job was to go in with his two comrades and call the pets call the, uh, the the dogs and you know look for cats and kill them uh i and forgot about that they had to like they'd call them and they'd whistle and he's explaining it to keegan like and this is going to be a, a death nail for a lot of you who are animal lovers you won't be you won't be able to watch this episode i got through it i cried 
I imagine killing myself before doing what he had to do. But he's told by a superior, like, they're going to be happy to see us. They haven't seen people in uh, like weeks. Some of them, they, they're going to think we have food. So we just call them. We whistle. They come running towards us. It's real easy. And you just shoot them. And then you hate his his commander because he's having them do the job that they have to do so yeah. that these animals don't continue because they're filled with radiation. And if they, you know, God knows where they might end up dead. And like, so you have to clean up the mess. It's, it's a necessary job. But then he says this, his commander does. And do, if you don't kill them the first shot, go and kill them immediately. Cause if you make them suffer, I will kill you. Do not make these animals suffer. And you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. He's a good guy. Who's got an awful job that he has to do. Yeah. And he's trying to do it as effective as possible. That was one of the most harrowing things I've ever seen in any movie or television show. It's, it's just my own personal hell, Avery. And then we get the episode five where we all the pieces are put together and you see, because they're kind of letting you see how strange the, the accident was and how it shouldn't have happened. Yes. And all of that is concluded in a very satisfying is not the right word, but it's the only word I can think of. It here. ties it all up. Ties it all up. So you know exactly what happened. You know who's at fault. You can see how many, many mistakes were made as, as far as putting the wrong people in charge who had the wrong motivations and the wrong aspirations, climbing the ladder yeah. and what, and 25-year-olds 20, being in charge of things that they shouldn't have been doing the test. It all makes sense. And up to that point, you're like, what are they even, I'm not really sure what they're talking about. And it's all, yeah. oh, it's so good. Chernobyl's just... It's one of the greatest TV series ever made, but it's, you know, it should be in its own category with miniseries because, you know, I'm yeah. not going to like talk about it in the same like breath the as wire Patriot or the wire, you know, yeah. cause they're, it's a different animal. This is a miniseries and there, it's, it's a long movie, a very long movie. This is Das boot. Yeah. Yeah. But highly recommend. And I think now is as good as time as any because yes, uh, Oppenheimer's top in mind. And I think there's got to be a lot of sort of hunger and interest for that. And Oppenheimer does a very good job of, I guess sort of the science and the way it could impact the world and the way it changed it, this is sort of a very real look at the perils of what happens to you and what happens to the victims and, and that sort of thing. Yes. What could happen if it goes wrong or other applications, right? Because you hear about the bomb, but they don't tell you anything about how we use it for energy, right? And this is entirely focused on that. And it, it, quote, unquote, a good use of this, a nonviolent use of this. But then you see this could be just as dangerous, if not more dangerous. Probably more cases. dangerous. Yeah. When, yeah. When, especially when he's throwing around like very matter of fact, like it's like, I think he said a thousand Hiroshima bombs. And the timelines where he'll go, oh, yeah, this would mess up uh, this sort of thing for 300 million years. Yeah. So, <laughs> so forever. Let's just yeah. say forever is what he says. <laughs> and just to go back to Avery's point that this is not a slog. This is not homework as, as bleak as it is. It's so well made. It's so good. Part of me wants to watch it again. Yes. You and, know, and, and you have the urge to binge it too. Yeah. You need to know what happens. It scratches that itch. Yeah, it's, not, watched, it's not one of those where you watch one and you go, Jesus Christ. I need, yeah, I need a, a break. I need to breathe. Let me watch another one tomorrow. I want to watch 10 episodes of uh, the curb your enthusiasm. I didn't know when it. I was going to be able to squeeze this in. And I ended up watching it over a week. Cause I kept one. I was dead tired. I get home from a show and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. But I, I you really want to watch the next episode and see what, and it's not even like the end on cliffhangers. It's just, no, but well, you it's want that to know. Yeah. Yeah. So wow, we talked a lot about Chernobyl, and uh, let's 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 get to let's. Do we to take a quick break? Quick break right here, yeah.
Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Was, or call the police. Or call the police like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. All right, and we're back. Thank you for reminding me about the break. Yes. We almost forgot. We forgot in the last one. I, I, anyways. Well, the uh, last one, it'll be the natural break because we'll throw, we're thrown to uh, DVK. DVK, that's right. Okay, that was last week. Sorry, guys. And if you're looking for the video, I know uh, some of you watch this on YouTube. We're not YouTubing this uh, just because we have a different setup. and We forgot our makeup today. today. We don't, and I don't have my powder. So let's talk beef. I don't have nearly as much to say about beef as I do Chernobyl. Yes. Um, however, people like their TV. They I'm like sure there's still people sitting on the fence, right? The people who avoid the rushing in with the masses to watch it, and they want to know once the dust is settled if it's worth sitting down with and watching. A lot to really, really like about beef, and some stuff which I didn't absolutely love. So I'm not even sure. I don't know where you're going to land as far as a recommend, but let's get into it. So this is created by Lee Sung Jin. Um, Lee Sung Jin was responsible uh, for Dave, Undone, and Tuka. Bertie, these are all things that I'm not familiar with. So uh, new to me, as well as Girl Boss, uh, worked on some Girl Boss and two bro- broke girls uh, in Silicon Valley. A lot of TV, uh, working on a lot of TV stuff. This Lee Sung Jin, you get the sense that Lee Sung Jin is very bright, very adept at telling stories, and um, this one 
has all sorts of reveals and uh, uncoverings as you go through the 10-part series. Yes. It's 10 episodes. Each one's around 30 minutes, so you can do them in bite size. And it all opens up in the simplest of ways. Most all of us have been in the situation at one time or another where you're having a bad day and you're backing out of a, uh, as, as was the example here, he's, he's backing out of his space after trying to return some hibachis, which is very relevant, which you learn about later. <laughs> reveal the reason later. Yes, you find out later because these characters continue bleak. to reveal themselves. Bleak. Yes, very bleak. And he's trying to back out, but there's a white Mercedes, which I appreciate because I've been saying for years yeah. now, the people that drive white Mercedes are a particular type of person. And I yeah. think that it, it is Ali Wong's character in this is the type of person I'm zeroing in on, which yes. they definitely zeroed in on. And so she's driving this white Mercedes. She won't move. And then she honks at him. He honks at her. And it, it's game on. They're both having bad days. Yeah. They're both having bad the middle moments. finger comes out and then it's game on. And they need they need to vent and they decide to do it in a road rage fashion. And this is the inciting incident of the entire series. And it leads to insane places. Uh, it's a domino effect. And it comes from a very real place yeah it's over the top in a way where you can you've seen that or you've you've been around people you go oh yeah i could see Uh, because everybody especially if you're out in la which is where this takes place you've seen people get out of their cars you've seen the the, uh, people yelling shit at you you might have yelled at other people it's much more realistic than you would think so she ali wong is a well-to-do we learn you know we get to see her side of things where she's married with this uh uh, son of a successful artist Artist, and she's a self-made woman with her own uh plant shop yeah and she's about to sell it for a multi-million dollar and be set for life but she's working her ass off she's nothing's handed to her like she would look like on the surface to this blue collar worker played by steve yoon who he crushes it. He is and so he's good. Almost this. unrecognizable. We're watching this. I went, why does everyone think he's this dreamy dude? I've forgotten he all plays of his a other blue roles. collar, slimy guy in this blue collar, yeah. just Valley shithead. Yeah. <laughs> he does a very good job. But you see a million of those dudes just driving around LA and just, and he's like living in an apartment in Reseda with his brother and he's barely making ends meet. Things aren't going for him. Dumb character. And his brother's fantastic. His they brother's do dumb great. so well. When his cousin comes in, that's when the, uh, the comedy really starts yes. to sing. The, uh, his cousin is this ex-con who's a fantastic character that really added a whole lot to very the show. Very fun. And I, what I really liked about the show too is that you get a lot of insight into Korean American culture. Yes, I thought that you would that know nothing about otherwise. And you always wonder, I mean, K-Town's huge out here and it feels like there's this whole world that you're not a part of. You might dip in and go to Korean barbecue, but you'll see entirely different kinds of people and groups that just stick within each other and it's very insular they, so it's nice to see the curtain pulled back on that where they get like korean church and all that where you'll, you'll pass those and go what's going on in there their racist feelings about other cultures as well yeah. is definitely uh, in there the and filipinos d- and, and dating outside of your race where i love that even oh you're dating a white girl oh yeah. she's italian though peninsula peninsula mindset she, she gets it peninsula <laughs> mindset. yeah there's it's very yeah you're it's right very you're right. interesting of shit you would never think of the one so Okay, let, let's start. Like, let's let's continue with what's really really good about the show. At one point, there's two separate catfishings that are going on that are almost like yes. yin and yang, and it, it it's and they meet in the apex, and it was so clever and so well done. Like an entire you know movie just with that um, setup would yeah. be fascinating. I think it should be done. I think you know somebody should take this kind of like set up for a story and, and run yeah. with it because it this bigger story led to that but that was some of the more interesting intricate stuff that i yes. i picked up from the show i really really like that where it lost me is i am filled with anger and rage and i get very disappointed in people especially living in a large metropolis and we just see you can attest to this like we see horrible people 
many of them every yes. single day people that are just only care about themselves yeah and i like to think that there's humanity under that when they come to their senses and like they have a moment a pause and they you know things get ramped up and then they kind of will will reflect and maybe not be continue to be animals and these two characters continue to be animals to a, to an extent that i could never ever relate to but i think it's because you're not truly pathological like but are they, they both pathological because i get the sense that they were with, trying with her you they get into she's got some very bad <laughs> hardcore shit going on so that's one of the okay so that is the if that is the case either it's it's one of two things it's either unrealistic like which i'm hoping it is yeah or it's realistic and like i don't really want to spend that much time with these two people yeah I, and i do think those kind of people exist it was very interesting that they sort of continue to become less and less redeem redeemable yeah because usually it goes the other I way thought around they were get, doing that i thought they were coming back and okay they're gonna make them human again like we're, they're gonna you know come to their senses but then they would ramp it up and i'm like this, almost to like curb your enthusiasm levels but it wasn't yeah. done for comedy it was interesting because at first you think these are all sort of pieces of shit unredeemable people unlikable people or it's even the brother the brother the husband yeah. uh ali wong everybody everyone go, in here is awful Fuck these people yeah. and then it's slowly revealed that some of these people are perpetrators and some of these people are victims and they're victims of shacking uh, up and living with these and dealing with these narcissists and these people with these pathologies you, and you get the sense that who whoever was responsible for this and i guess we can safely say it was lee sung jin has a very very dour outlook on society yes relationships and family yeah. and that you really can't have your life ruined by somebody close to you no hyperbole when i say this ever i i finished some of these episodes feeling way more icky than i did after chernobyl <laughs> episodes it's upsetting yeah it's, yeah it's depressing uh but then it's really funny and you're like oh i'm glad i'm watching this this yes. is joyful and hilarious and very clever in, in the story structure but then it's like it leaves you kind of being like we're all fucked and people yeah. are just awful and like i don't want to live around them yeah right and that i i truly think and that's because I've, I've had so many you know especially in my younger days like run-ins but usually i can find common ground if i try and yes. i like to think that most people are decent and i don't think this is an honest representation of most people maybe it's just they decided to and i'm you know this is coming from somebody i, I understand i wrote groupers and if you've seen groupers like it's filled with like you know very questionable yeah. people like that's but i would have liked maybe a couple more redeeming but i think you do run into those people where they've almost given up on themselves and they go look i am a piece of shit and that's just what i am so i'm just gonna be that because yeah. there's no hope for me because even like he's and they take that easy way out there's this maybe that's what because by the time we can't talk about the end and i did like and the end didn't move me even though it was a little bit and the whole last episode is very interesting because it's a a, a stark departure from the rest of the show and the the sort of climax in the previous episodes is wild <laughs> and yeah. it's very interesting and reveals a lot about the character there's a lot of cliffing and almost all, every single one of these episodes they, they're it's designed to make you want to binge it like that's how they yes. set this show and up. not in it's a bad a way it, it, not in a terrible way but it's manipulative like i could just yeah. be compelling and be good enough that i want to return don't make it so that like oh i have to see what happened because that car just went did that you know yeah. like what happens or next. that person said that to whoever yeah that's what they do like in like cartoons for kids saturday morning cartoons yeah. for kids so they tune in next saturday right it's an old trick but um like chernobyl did not i'm, I'm, I'm holding this up against chernobyl yeah. which is not fair yeah. it's not fair at all i think a lot of people will really like this will i be talking about this show five years from now probably not but i i do absolutely think it's worth seeing 
especially if you're looking to loop something else in, you've kind of exhausted everything else people are talking about. I really do think this is worth watching and it's, it's, it's on sort of the, the lighter side. It's a good comedy. It does get into some of the, the ickiness of, you know, just being a person, but it's usually bad things happening to bad people. Yeah. So it sort of grat- it scratches that itch too of you get to slum around with them, but everybody, it's almost like they're delivering comeuppance to each other. Yeah, they are for sure. I don't know if it's satisfying enough though, because I kind of liked both characters. I kind of wanted both characters to be the good guy. Neither one was willing to ever be the good guy until they were maybe perhaps. I don't yeah. know. You know what? It's got the same kind of vibe and tone as Barry. And I got, I had the same problems as I did Barry. too. And on my second rewatch of Barry, I made it all the way through and did, did enjoy it. Cause you're anticipating all the zaniness and wackiness that goes along yes. with this very serious subject matter. And they both feel like, light versions of breaking bad which i know probably sounds like a, a huge compliment and it might be too much of one because neither one of them approached breaking bad in my own taste yes but they both have similar tones i don't think either one of them achieves the tone the first couple seasons of breaking bad when i finally gave in and, and was watching it i did that thing where i didn't start watching until the final season yeah. was coming out and uh I, I had a real hard time with the tone of that show. Like it really thought it was like hip, felt like nineties at times. Like I it took me a while to settle into the tone of Breaking what Bad. It is. Yeah. And I think it changed over time too. I I'm pretty sure that as the seasons went on with Breaking Bad, it got a little more took itself a little more seriously. But the first couple seasons, it was way more poppy than I would have liked. Yeah, it's definitely doesn't enter the I and I think maybe that's a fair comparison. Is it's for Chernobyl, it gets into that level of bleakness, right? To, right away, to the you know the tone. end of Breaking Bad. Yeah, it does. It, yeah. Where it's, it's, it's tenseness, thriller. Yes, from minute one. Yeah. It's got that last season of Breaking Bad where it's just, it it almost feels bad to just be alive. <laughs> just know this happened. And it's for the just, most part, it's just old white men talking about a problem. Yes. And it's it's uh, Chernobyl or Oppenheimer. Is that a fair comparison? Like I will watch yeah. Chernobyl three more times before I watch, uh, before I want to watch. i maybe feel like I should watch Oppenheimer again, just to give it its fair. But Chernobyl was, I would say a, a, an overall better superior. Package. Yeah. Superior piece of art. Yeah. To sound, not to sound too falutin, highfalutin, but yeah, I, I would. Okay. It's a I don't know if package. there's many, I don't know if there's many better, many better miniseries that have ever been created. Yeah. I don't know if there is one. <laughs> it might Genuinely. be the best. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little worried too. Cause when I brought it up and you had seen it and I think it might've even been on the show. You're like, Oh, you're going to watch that. It's one of the bleakest things. I've-. You didn't give it like a, Oh dude. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't give me like, finally Anderson, you can be like, Oh, enjoy that. Uh, yeah. One of the bleakest things I've ever seen, which is true, but okay. But it's great. Do we, uh, we gotta, we gotta kind of go, but I want to talk about the thief, we do collector. thief collector. <clears throat> can we do this? Yeah, let's do Thief Collector. Oh, we could also push if, if you wanted to, but... Let's do Thief Collector. Um, or uh, Brian's probably not going to watch it. Uh, all right, Thief Collector. Let's do Thief Collector. Uh, huge recommendation for Chernobyl. Kind of recommendation for B if, if you like watching TV, if, if, you got, got, if, if you're you looking got, for something. Yeah, if you're looking for a comedy and there's space there's on your There's so much uh, out there, though. Would you rather... People who have never seen Righteous Gemstones dive into that instead, or The Crown. Like, I mean, there's so much out there. Is yeah. beef should beef be put at the top of the queue? I think it cracks it just because yeah, it's only 30 minutes. It's it's not a ton of time, and I think it's worth at least giving it a shot because I really did enjoy it. There, I had some shortcomings, but I think I liked it more than you did. Especially, I would say definitely recommend it if you're from Southern California and from LA. I think then it kind of verges into more. Or of a if must you're thinking watch. about moving out here. And you want to see what it's really like? <laughs> that too. A cautionary tale. 
Or actually, no, now that I'm in real estate, I think the more the merrier. Come on out. <laughs> I'll show you some houses. All right. Uh, here we go. The Thief Collector is a brand new movie. Uh, it's still for rent unless you have Hoopla. You can watch it on Hoopla as far as I can tell. I rented it because I was uh, watching it with my sister when I was visiting my mom. doesn't matter, but I didn't have access to my Hoopla because I could tell that I wasn't in my own city. Um, it is based on the true life story of a artist's uh, a, a, a painting, a very fa- famous painting beans uh, showing up at an estate uh, sale. Essentially, yes. uh, a Willem Willem de Kooning's woman ochre, woman yeah. ochre, yes, woman woman ochre, yeah. In 1985, this disappeared from a, a Tucson small art gallery, and it was their prime. It was their 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 pristine prime. Yeah, it piece. disappeared from yeah, like University of Arizona or something like that. Yeah, a small Inter- university, University of Tucson, I think. it yeah. was. Uh, Allison Otto, I should say. This is her directorial debut. Uh, Sarah Minnick. Uh, Brandon Z. Ruiz and Glenn Howerton uh, is involved with some of the reenactments. And they'll have you believe that there's a ton of reenactments throughout this. It's peppered, but yeah, Avery and I were talking earlier. They might've had him for a day. Yeah. Did, yeah. I don't even know if he has any speaking lines. Does he? Maybe a few, very few. Speaking of very few, I took very few notes on this movie. Yeah. I, I think I have maybe one or two. Yeah. There's a lot going on. It's kind of fast paced and, um, it's a fairly low stake documentary. So it's all about, okay. So it opens up with this antique dealer and his team talking about and his partner, right? I think that's his partner. Oh, really? I think so. Maybe I don't see uh, gender or, or, or sexual proclivity. I enjoyed that. Oh. I like the bearded guys just living in Tucson. Yeah, a lot of art dealers, antiquing. a lot of antique uh, guys that I have, I, I talked to in my own dealings with estate sales and antique malls and whatnot. There, there are a lot of, uh, gay fellas, now that I think about it. But they, this is different than the types of estate sales that you might be familiar with or not. Uh, the ones that I talk about that Jillian and I and Atticus do three to five times a week, where sometimes they let the public in and you can pick through and buy things individually or in lots, or sometimes they just sell the entire leftover estate to almost a, like buying a storage locker. Yeah, very, very similar. So they were recounting their going into this couple's house who have since been to see, they're, they're no longer with us. They both have died and they went into their house uh, in in uh silver Ari- springs or something yeah arizona yeah they live in, like in the middle of nowhere with a septic tank and they have a house that's Safe. just in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and they're going in and they're you know they got some mid-century stuff and they, they see there's some stuff of value that they can you know probably put in their antique shop and, and it's very odd it's like uh it's very eclectic it's not quite hoarder ish but it's imagine that old person you knew with the crazy house where they just have all kinds of wild shit. Yeah. You know, where do you even find this? They were travelers. They were world travelers. Yes. And they had a lot of trinkets from their world travels. So African masks and little kabuki stuff exactly. and paintings of horses or shit that he made himself. Awful. Yeah. Just weird stuff. Rugs and lamps and statues. Very eclectic. Very eclectic. And this painting, which we don't know as an audience what it is or you know what what the significance uh, of this painting is and they're really recounting how they found the painting where it was placed in the house it was in the back bedroom behind a door so if the door was open you couldn't even see it it was almost yeah. hidden and it turns out that, that is the pa- the painting that was stolen in 1985 now that's I, now worth it was only 400 grand then now worth 160 million dollars upwards of yeah almost 200 million some say and they brought it into their store and the first day i think somebody yeah. comes in who's like an art collector and he's like hey uh Will you sell that? I'll get, I don't know why this guy did it this way. He's very honest. He's like, I'll buy that for 200 grand. It could be worth 200 million, but I would no, like to buy No, he said less. That could be 2 million. 
I think he said 200. No, he said no, I'm two. pretty sure he said in between 200 he and 200. He said 202 million. He okay. downplayed it. Did he? He did downplay it a little bit. Because I remember thinking, oh, it, you know, it went up. Because then when they said 160, I went, Jesus Christ. That's why he was willing to spend 200 grand. It was, he asked if it was real. He's like, is that real? Yeah. And like, these guys had no idea because their world is expansive and they had never heard of this artist. They hadn't done a, like a, a search. But they said, I think so. Because it looked, they said it looked real enough. Yeah, with they know enough about and- artists to know if a canvas is, you know, actually an original or not. Uh, and it's all fairly, what was the year? It might've been like 2018, 2017. It was, it was fairly 2017. Yeah, yeah. That they discovered it after the, the couple had died. And, uh, so the rest of the movie is an unpeeling of the layers of this family. They Which had a couple is interesting kids. because at the start of it, you, I was thinking, okay, where's the tension? Where are we going to go? I know what happened. Yeah. They stole this painting. They show you how it they stole pretty it. obvious. Right at the beginning. This is the first 15 minutes. You know who did it. Yeah, you know how what they're going to make a movie. You know what happened. And I went, okay, are we going to do this for 90 minutes? And I get it. This We can stop now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, did it they get it back? It should have been a, cool. an interesting short or an article. It's like, oh, they found it. They got it back. What so I was thinking, the, where are we going to go with this? It's actually kind of and now it almost it almost brings your expectations down because i was watching this going okay i i guess this is pretty interesting kind of interesting the balls to do it and what they're what they're really going after and this is what much of the movie is uh, about is it's about this seemingly normal looking you know couple who have one of the weird things that the antique dealer also pointed out was you go into the house and it was all pictures of the parents and there's very few pictures the they had two kids and there's very few pictures None. of the kids which is telling right it's pictures it, of themselves or art yeah or their travels with just the two their of them trinkets. and not yeah. not much of the kids at all so then it starts to reveal what this couple was all about what they really were behind the scenes what they presented on the surface he was a teacher he was probably yeah, he borderline jazz genius thinks he never got his due and I don't want to give away all the reveals, but it becomes, it's a slow burn, but it continues to go back to this book that he wrote, which is called The Lip and the Cup. And at the outset, the cup and the lip. it's some of the worst uh, prose you've ever yeah. read. And at the outset, you go, okay, what are we doing with this? Giant, thick tomb, too, tome that he wrote of all of his world travels and stories and little short stories. And it's just yeah, poorly written. And then it slowly becomes more and more obvious of, okay, this kind of sounds like a fictionalized version of how they might have stolen that painting. Yeah. And then it keeps unraveling where you go, wait, were all these stories true? And we can leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, And they got, you know, the FBI comes in and a couple times I wanted to ring the neck of the, God, I sound like an old man. I I wanted to, Atticus is in, so I got to use my church uh, nomenclature. Uh, I wanted to like, you know, grab them by the the jacket and say, go look. I mean, there is some unsatisfying things by the time this movie is said and done, which is my, my biggest critique of the movie is I am not satisfied Yes, because they're an an answer could be made. Final reveal. Yes, it could have been done i'm not expecting the filmmakers to do this necessarily because it's a large undertaking but i feel like the government should where do you where do you fall on that yes you think it happened or didn't i think it happen? happened i think it happened i think it happened it, they were too weird about it for it not to have happened they were picking poop out of their own toilet i know who does that no one nobody does that uh so it involved it, it it, it goes like you shouldn't even explain further i know the peaks people's but ultimately what the themes of the movie are and you don't get it till the end but and this doesn't give anything away but just be looking for this and and, and this is what really gives the, the movie added value as my buddy greg would say or i think worth worth a watch is it is a juxtaposition of 
some of the most selfish, self-centered people that we have living amongst us, as well as some of the most honest, open-hearted, and they just do the right thing because that's the right thing. They could have made millions. It could have made millions. And we see both of those types of people are illustrated They're approached by outside forces to go demand this money. It brought a tear to my eye by the time everything was said and done, especially when the one guy was crying, reading one of the letters that he got. And I I know that if you have not seen this, which you probably haven't, it's, it's not really making a whole lot of sense to you. But, but it, it does will, by yeah. the end, and it really shows you the full spectrum of of humanity. Uh, I think it's v- it's very good. Just just the way it unravels and keep going because I it was kind of losing me at the thirty minute mark because they do kind of keep rehashing that first telling of okay the painting. They made this, a giant deal about the painting. Which will it ultimately, get back there? Will it not? Yeah. Is there gonna? And it was kind of losing me. And then once they pull out that book that he wrote. Because they slow roll you on that too, where they go, and he wrote a book, and you go, okay, well, he was trying to find ways to fill his time, and he's a narcissist. And okay. They keep peeling that onion. Yeah. And it just. This is a movie that I could have loved if it was a little bit better. It's not quite to that level, but it's definitely worth a recommendation. I think a lot yeah. of people will really enjoy this. I really enjoyed it. I didn't love it. I'm not going to be screaming about it at the end of the year. Or if anything. there was better resolution yes. with that last thread, this would have been a must must watch yeah it was frustrating right yeah it's a little it leaves you a little frustrated but it kind of leaves it up to the viewer too which some people like you know you can i have my answer i think yeah. Avery does too we both agree that we think yes is the answer there's too much smoke for there not to being for there not to be a fire howerton does have some lines i think because well maybe not maybe i won't anyways uh yeah we, we last i saw i think i think i rented it for three bucks and like i said if you have a hoopla account it will probably be streaming uh, at some point on one of your providers, it's it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, something else I wanted to say about it. I wonder, I wonder, oh, one more thing about beef too. It's kind of gross. It's it's way grosser than it needed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't need some of the filth. I mean, we were just talking about with a thief collector picking poop out of a toilet for the sake of it not going to the septic tank. Uh, some some gross stuff that some didn't scatological need, yeah, bodily functions unnecessary. And, yeah, in the old beef. Uh, we we got the depravity without that just like the, with the throwing up scenes like you know that happens towards the end of the series like i didn't need to see the, yeah. all the chunks for so long like yeah why linger on that you got a good story going good characters i don't need to be grossed out in the yeah. process like who who would who would ever walk out of like or finish that like an episode and say i needed more chunks some some people really like to hammer that home hmm. and are delighted by it hmm I think that's just comedy that doesn't work for you and I. I think that does elevate it for some people. Yeah. Kind of like The Good Place. Like, there was obviously a writer in that writer's room that was just obsessed with the scatological, and like they'd work it in, like a little, they'd pepper it into every episode. People love it. I mean, shameless plug for me, Comedy Confessional. As you, yeah. What we've seen, that the confessions are usually either sex, uh-huh. which is pretty universal, but right. there's a big segment of people who are very interested in the scatological, yeah. just pee and poop and vomit and the. And that's sort of where people gravitate. I think towards. shame too, right? With yours, because yeah. like they're 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 uh, well, confessing something yes. that they want to confess to an individual. So I think but there's a we'll lot of that it, fixation yeah. on the bodily functions, yeah. and I think a lot of people delight in that, or it's almost cathartic to see because a lot of people I think are shameful or think about it, and then like to see it. Yeah, I don't need to see. I'm it. not. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I don't ever need to we see line it. up on a lot of things. I don't need to see it. Avery, thank you very much for helping. Uh, yes, the show continue uh, with uh, this week and last week as well, and for everything you do on the show, it's always good stuff. And I'll say very, very quickly, so we didn't get to it, and I don't think we need to. But I've been catching up with the Crown. Final season comes out this fall. 
And I was one of those people, put it off, thought this is boring shit that yeah, doesn't even have dry. to do with Yeah. What are you gonna if you like Mad Men, you will like The Crown. That's a great comp. It's If you really like that, it scratches that itch in a way I really haven't found anything has done since. Would highly recommend it. If you start now, there's about 50 episodes. You can leisurely work your way through it by the time the final season comes out. A lot of fun where every two seasons they totally change the entire cast, which is very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, it, but it's, 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 it's frustrating, too, because if you fall in love with the cast, you yeah. want more of them, and the next cast is never going to do it justice as the yeah, last cast that you've already settled into. But it's I, I, would, I would highly recommend if you like Mad Men. If Mad Men is your kind of show, if you really like Mad Men, you've been missing that Attention kind of thing. Attention to detail. This immersive really scratches that itch, yeah. and for some reason, it has that Mad Men thing where I'm compelled to keep watching. I, yeah. I've watched. There's been days I've watched four in a row, yeah. and I, I can't explain why, but it just scratches that itch. Yeah, They're almost like mini movies that are so well done. I'm with you. All right, cool. I just realized we also have to do wraps, so let's. Uh, yes. Let's wrap this one up and say thank you very much for listening. Uh, we should be back in studio uh, with all three of us next week. Uh, thank you very much for continuing to support the program. And uh, yeah, next week will be top five motivational speeches. Thanks to Jonathan Muser. We'll also be watching John Campbell's suggested Synchronic as the assigner. He, he assigned a Synchronic, which is available on Netflix. It's readily available. So if you would like to watch along with us, that's a movie that I can uh, say is very interesting. Uh, has to do with sci-fi for sure. For sure. So Synchronic is one that I meant to see when it first came out. I remember I was high on it and then it just fell off. It fell off my plate, kind of like the most recent episode, uh, season of The Crown. I still got to follow, uh, follow up with the yeah. most recent with the, uh, the Princess Diana's Diana, yeah. death. And I have not... That's the most recent one, right? I don't know. Not gotten that far. Oh, yeah, you have it. Because I saw the one with Princess Diana like as a young person. But what I, I, whatever the last one was, the last season, I still got to watch that. before. Okay. That's not important. I continue to be in the show. Jeez. Critical. Critical. Critical info. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much. We do it for Van Gogh.